What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show for Slab Stocks. My name is Sam. You can follow me on Instagram at Slab Stocks Sam. I'm purely an optional follow, but you should definitely be following Slab Stocks on Instagram at Slab Stocks uh, because there you will find all the latest trends and analysis for, major sport, for the major sports as they relate to the card market. Uh, also, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. I'm continuing a series this week that I began last week analyzing the 2019 NBA draft and each prospect's potential based on what we saw from them over their rookie seasons. I'm tackling this basically just by walking through the first round of the draft. Uh, so last week I covered picks 1 through 7. This week I'll be covering picks 8 through 16. And next week I don't think I'm actually going to be talking about the rest of the first round picks, but probably just some of the highlights from the second half of the first round and some of the second round and undrafted guys of notes. Uh, just a quick note. I'm using the player's Prism Silver Rookie cards for my price analysis. I don't think that's the only way to go. Optics Select, also good for investment purposes. And there are other cards that I personally like much more than Prism Silvers. But uh, the Prism Silver Rookie provides a convenient baseline for this conversation, as it tends to be the go-to in considering players' prices. Uh, there are many other cards that you can invest in, but I'm just using the Prism Silver Rookie cards as my card for this purpose, uh, for convenience sake. All right, starting off, first player I'm going to be talking about today was the eighth pick of the draft, the second selection by the New Orleans Pelicans, Jackson Hayes, the center from the Texas Longhorns. I'm not going to spend a whole ton of time on Hayes. He's still a long way off from being really much of anything. He only averaged 17 minutes per night, was fine in that time with 7.5 rebounds, four, or 7.5 points, four rebounds, an assist and a block, shot 66% from the field, 63% from the free throw line. You know, even if he becomes a good starting center, there are a number of dings against him as an investment. Number one, he plays center. Centers just don't traditionally sell too well. He is a traditional center in the rim-running, rim-protecting mold. Uh, perhaps he could become a stretchy-ish center that can shoot it from the corner, uh, but he's probably never going to become any sort of focal point on an offense as long as he's alongside Zion and Ingram and Lonzo, which hopefully will be going on long-term. On court, I think he's a fine player, and I do like him as a player. I just don't think there's a whole ton of value for us as investors, especially if his ceiling is maybe the fifth best player on his team. An ungraded uh, Prism Silver Rookie card for him is auctioning around 10 to $12, which seems kind of crazy to me personally. Uh, for just a few dollars more, you could get Hunter or Garland or Culver, um, and I'd probably even willing be willing to do that. All right, pick number nine from the Washington Wizards, Rui Hachimura out of Gonzaga. A lot of people do like Rui Hachimura a lot. I do not consider myself to be one of those people. He's kind of a true two-trick pony, shoots 57% from within 10 feet, uh, good for 13 points a game on almost 30 minutes a night, also six rebounds, which is okay. Uh, but a fair amount of his high rebound games came when Thomas Bryant was injured, uh, making Rui the nominal board getter in those games, and that's really all he does. I shot 27% from three on just two attempts per game, which is really in line with what he did at Gonzaga. He's never been a deep threat. He doesn't get to the line very often. He's not much of a facilitator. He also doesn't collect any defensive stats, and the Wizards were significantly better on defense when Hachimura was on the bench, which is saying something because they were one of the worst defensive units in the league this year. So I'm really not sure what the on-court appeal is for this guy. He is already 22 years old, which isn't old by any means, but it's also not super young. He also, you know, kind of famously was a baseball player first and only picked up basketball later, which kind of fueled this conversation that he's still learning the game and has all this great potential, which could be the case. So we've seen that happen before, you know, but more often than not, picking up something later in life doesn't just guarantee you're going to have all this potential. For instance... 
I started playing guitar a dozen times in my 20s, and I'm still just a beginner. You know, so I don't think this is a rule of thumb. It's just kind of an exception sometimes. Uh, Rui does have a ton of fan support, though. Uh, he's simply a name that people really like. And you can tell because even though everything I've said is 100% true, I think... Uh, his Prism Silvers have gone absolutely bonkers. Over the past week, his Prism Silver rookie cards, ungraded, have auctioned 50 to $65 range. Even a Mosaic Silver that recently auctioned for 30 bucks. Uh, I really don't understand it, you know, but a lot of people really like him. And I do expect that to continue in the short term. So I'm not a long-term believer in Rui, but I do think that there is some short-term investment potential there. I wouldn't advise buying him at $50. It just kind of seems too risky for me. But I do believe there's some potential over the next season for his prices to continue to rise. I think it's only a matter of time, though, until he's recognized as just kind of an old-school scorer, rebounder, without really much else. And probably is only going to ultimately become a bench offensive big and nothing more. And at that point, I would expect his market to crater. Um, so it's a risky game. And in general, I'm going to be staying away from him. But, you know, you could possibly make some money with his cards. Uh, just do with that what you will. Pick number 10 to the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, their second selection, Cam Reddish from Duke, the third Duke player off the board. Uh, he was easily one of the worst rookies out of the draft for the first chunk of the season. You know, one of the biggest net negatives in the entire league overall. Uh, but that was really a tale of two halves with him, or at least it was shaping up that way before the season was suspended. Before the All-Star break, Reddish was a huge net negative. He shot only 35% from the field and 32% from deep uh, with averages of 11 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. He only had 10 appearances after the All-Star break, of course, so it is a small sample. Uh, but he's much improved. He scored 16 points uh, with essentially the same rebound and assist totals, but shot 50% from the field and 39% from deep. Uh, based on on-off differential in those 10 games, he was the second-best positive contributor on the Hawks team with 16.1 points per 100 possessions uh, positive, which is just barely behind John Collins over that span of time. People may be upset with me for this analysis because you know DeAndre Hunter was generally better than Cameron Reddish for most of the season, although that wasn't really a huge hurdle to leap. Uh, but Reddish was significantly better on defense than Hunter all season, which was supposed to be one of Hunter's real positives coming into the season. And Reddish was really improved as the season went on, and Hunter really did not. Um, I believe that Reddish could become an 18-point-per-game 3-and-D type of player in, in the next two or three seasons, and I think there's significant, envy, uh, significant value to that as an NBA player. I'm not extremely high on him. I don't think he's ever going to reach an all-star level, um, but he's shown enough improvement over the season to garner a lot more hope. You know, most rookies don't come into the season at star level, um, and for the rest of them, we just hope to see these incremental adjustments to their game, and that's what Reddish has started to do. Uh, you're going to have to continue monitoring him closely as next season begins to see if he can continue. Um, it's not the most exciting profile in the world for investors, but Reddish also comes with some of the name recognition as being a part of that high-profile 2018 Duke team. Over the past couple of weeks, his ungraded Prism Silver Rookie cards have been auctioning off anywhere between $50 and $75, which feels a little high for me to be buying into, although I like him better than Rui Hachimura. Um, and I do think we'll still see some price increases over the next season with some of the excitement around him, especially if next year's rookie class really does lack some of that upper-end potential. Uh, next up, not going to be spending a whole ton of time on this guy, out of the University of North Carolina, pick number 11 to the Phoenix Suns, Cameron Johnson. Uh, pretty uh, surprised to see this pick or him picked that high in the draft. He does one thing well, really, which is shoot threes. He shot 40% from deep his rookie season on five attempts per game, which is good. 
uh, but he really doesn't do anything else. He doesn't score much outside of the three, doesn't get to the line, doesn't rebound, doesn't facilitate, doesn't play much defense. I don't hate him as a player, and I certainly think there's a long career for a guy that can shoot the three as well as he does, um, uh, even if he does nothing else. Uh, but I just don't foresee him as uh, you know improving anything else to really be all that desirable as an investment. You know, there are literally dozens of players like him around the league, so I wouldn't mind having him play on my team, but I also wouldn't plan on sending your kids to college by making money off of his cards. Uh, really just not many recent sales for him at all, and I would expect that to kind of continue to move uh, moving forward, uh, so just not much to see here. Moving on. 12th pick out of the Charlotte or to the Charlotte Hornets, PJ Washington, really one of the more impressive rookies for most of the year. A bit up and down, uh, definitely hit a bit of a rut once the new year started, uh, but pretty strong rookie season overall. We started out the year on fire. He was really one of the more popular players to start the year along with his teammate Devontae Graham. His performance to start the year was built on some unsustainable shooting, but once that fell off, he'd already solidified himself in people's minds as one of the best rookies in this class, uh, regardless of what he did from that point. He is a six foot seven, six foot eight, somewhere in there, big man. Uh, maybe projects to be one of these, you know, undersized centers of the future. Which, you know, I understand six foot seven sounds pretty tiny, but Brandon Clark is only six foot eight. Bam Adebayo is listed at six foot nine. So this is just kind of the way the game is trending. Uh, Washington is solidly built, seven foot two inch wingspan. He certainly seems like the type of guy that could possibly hang at the five moving forward. Uh, statistically, you would have liked to see a few more defensive stats from him, just under a steal and a block per game. But I do think he could push over those, uh, both of those over one. He shot 45% from the field and 37% from deep, averaged 12 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. Hard to say what his ceiling is going to be. I don't think he's going to be as good as Bam Adebayo, but, you know, Kentucky players, they never really get the opportunity to showcase everything they have when they're in college, and quite a bit of the development tends to take place once they get to the NBA. Could he take a similar path as Bam? I'm not nearly that high on him, but I do like him as a player, and I think he probably has the highest ceiling on the team over Miles Bridges and Devontae Graham. As so who knows what'll happen, you know? But I I do like him. At, I do like the profile as someone who could potentially turn into a nice, exciting young big over the next couple seasons. Might not happen, but the potential is there. His ungraded Prism Silver rookie card's been auctioning around $13 lately, which is kind of right in line with where he's been going the last uh, half of the season. Uh, but it is down quite a bit from his hot start in October and November. Uh, one thing that I wouldn't be surprised at in the coming months, you know, once they announce the NBA awards at the end of June, if they announce them then, I think Washington has a pretty decent chance at sneaking into the all-rookie first team, and I wouldn't be all that surprised if his cards saw a bit of a bump from that. I think most of the time with the NBA awards, you know, most of the price hikes we see will be seen during the season that leads up to the award, and generally the actual award is just confirmation of those increases. Uh, but I think with Washington, being that he's on the bubble of a first-team all-rookie nod and, and perhaps sneaking onto that squad would be the validation that his market needs to start pumping it a little bit higher. I just think that's a possibility. I'm not sure that he's going to make the team, um, but I, I do think he probably should, and there could be a boost there if we see that. With the 13th pick, one of my favorite players in this draft went to the Miami Heat. He's the pride of Whitnell High just down the road from where I grew up in Greenfield, Wisconsin, Tyler Hero. I'm going to try to be totally unbiased with Hero, so I'll just present to you the numbers before I get into some of the other stuff. 27 minutes per game, averaged 13 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, shot 41% from the field, and 39% from 3 on over 5 3-point attempts per game. Uh, the scoring and uh, particularly his scoring from deep are really good. Uh, it's also impressive to see 27 minutes per game on a Heat team led by Eric Spolstra because he just doesn't generally hand out minutes to rookies. 
But at the same time, doesn't pass much. He's held his own on defense more or less. Um, he's been a little bit better on that end than projected, but he's still not a very good defender and doesn't project to improve that much on that side of the ball. Uh, the truth with Hero is that I think his reputation has outstripped his production. And we knew going into the season that Hero was a personal favorite of Jimmy Butler. And that really helped his reputation with Heat fans as well. I think he's easily one of the most popular players in Miami. And that popularity has bled into the rest of the NBA fan base as well. Uh, part of the reason for that is because, you know, as a player, he's flashy. He gets highlights. He has a good handle. He can create his own shots. And he's also particularly adept at moving off ball and using screens to get those catch-and-shoot open threes. And those are just the type of things that NBA highlights are built off of. Uh, so I think he's probably more popular than his game really calls for, but I don't think that's necessarily a negative when it comes to investing in him. You know, his ungraded Prism Silver rookie cards pretty regularly go in the mid-40s to mid-$50 range. Uh, a lot of that is built on his hype and his popularity, but I also don't know that those things are going to go away anytime soon. He continues, or he figures to continue to be a very popular player in Miami. Um, he should continue to produce the, produce the types of highlights that really get fan reactions. Uh, he's also not shy at all in late-game situations as a rookie, so it wouldn't be surprising moving forward to see some late-game heroics, you know, buzzer beater or two, and throw in some really hot three-point shooting performances. And I think Hero has quite a bit of price potential, uh, more than I normally would think for a player of his output. Um, every situation is not the same, and Harrell finds himself in a very good situation in Miami that seemingly is built to make up for his deficiencies and could really use his strengths. Uh, so I remain high on Hero, although I could be biased, and that's your fair warning. Uh, with the 14th pick for the Boston Celtics out of Indiana, Romeo Langford. Hey, we don't have a whole ton of tape on him. Uh, he's played just under 300 minutes. Uh, he shows some real defensive potential, which isn't a surprise being on this scrappy Boston team, but you know that's his biggest positive so far, and he's still uh, greatly a work in progress on the offensive side. He's only six foot four, but he's not a point guard. He has to play the wing, and he also can't shoot. Only 37% from the field and 22% from deep this year. A uh, shot under 70% from the free throw line. I think he fits into one of these seemingly you know dozens of Celtics bench players that play good defense and are pretty scrappy. Um, but I don't know if he'll ever be more than that. You know, we haven't really seen much from him to know what he's going to be, though. Uh, I think there's a bit of a Boston bump going on. 10 to $15 for his uh, un ungraded Prism Silver rookie cards. Uh, I wouldn't be personally investing in him, but you can never really count out Celtics role players, and especially because of their popularity with Boston fans. Uh, that's all the, the opinion I have of him, though. Um, next player, Sekou Dumbuya. Uh, by the Detroit Pistons. I don't believe in rookie walls. Uh, you know, that's what people usually say about rookies, that as the season goes on, they hit a wall and they start to falter. I don't think that really happens, but I do think that Siku might have hit a wall this year. And remember, he came into the league as the youngest player in all of basketball. Only turned 19 at the end of December. He was born in Guinea, moved to France when he was a baby. He lived there pretty much his entire life, I believe. Only first picked up a basketball six years ago, but now he's the youngest player in the NBA in a foreign country, away from his family who's still living in France. English is his second language. It would all be very difficult for a young player. You know, it's a story we've heard with various players before. You know, Giannis comes to mind as you know, an obvious comparison situationally. Uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves and make any comparisons on the court with Giannis. Um, but if you look at Siku's season, it's really tough to know what happened. You know, first eight games he scored in the double digits figures seven times, uh, starting January 2nd with a matchup against Kawhi Leonard. He went for 10 points. Then he went 16, 11, 15, 8, 12, 16. And then his best game of the season with 24 points in Boston. Over that span of time, he averaged 14 points, five rebounds, an assist, and a steal, shooting 54% from the field and 41% from three. And then the wheels came off. 
His next seven games, he scored 4, 6, 4, 5, 0, 8, and 0. Uh, just night and day difference before January 15th and then January 18th and onward. And you kind of have to wonder if something happened in there. Uh, it's purely speculation. I don't know anything at all about it. But he was just two different players from January 1st until the 15th and then after that. Uh, his average dropped to five points, three rebounds, a half an assist, a half a seal. And he just couldn't hit anything. He shot 30% from the field, 24% from three. So clearly the biggest difference is he just couldn't hit shots anymore. And Dwayne Casey is one of those old school type of coaches. He doesn't just hand out playing time. We know uh, last year he, he just barely handed Luke Kennard playing time, getting him 22 minutes per night before firing him up to 32 minutes this season. Uh, he's never going to just hand the reins to Seiko, and it's really much too early for that to be happening anyways. Uh, if I was to play a prognosticator for a moment, I would expect year two of Dumboya experience to be just as frustrating as year one. I expect Blake Griffin to be back. I expect them to not trade Derrick Rose, and he'll be back. I expect them to try and re-sign Christian Wood. I hope they do. Uh, then we have Luke Kennard at the two, and then the Pistons also have $35 million in cap space this offseason, which hopefully they use wisely, just using it to absorb bad contracts with assets attached, uh, maybe sign some developmental free agents. Uh, plus, they're going to have a high pick in this year's draft. And it all just adds up to Siku not having you know, many more than the 20 minutes he averaged this year, maybe 22, 23, like Kennard's second year. Uh, so are we going to see a leap from him this year? Probably not. Maybe a step forward, two steps back type of thing. But I don't have super high hopes for him this year. Um, that shouldn't lead to us just giving up on this guy at all. You know, he, he's still very young, younger than over half of the projected lottery picks in this year's draft. He had some positive signs in the G League last year. He shot, uh, made two threes a game on 36% from deep, shot 84% from the free throw line. Uh, so there's a lot to work with there. He has, you know, the most potential of any player on the Pistons roster, and we just have to be patient. You know, that's fine with me. His raw prism silvers have been auctioning off in the high teens, low 20s for a couple weeks, which is down significantly from his heights that he reached in January coming off that big Celtics performance. Uh, back then, his prism silvers were auctioning off in the high 70s, even 80s, sometimes even breaking $100 a couple times, and then they came crashing back down to earth with his performance. Uh, so if you bought at those high prices and are now looking at a $50 to $60 loss, I wouldn't be panicking and selling. You, know, you have to stomach those losses for another year or two, but you know, in year three or four, I'd say there's a pretty decent chance that Siku Dumbuya as a, a significant starter for the Detroit Pistons. Um, but it's going to take a lot of patience on our part to get there. Uh, if people turn uh, down on him over the course of the season as prices start to linger in the teens, the 20s, uh, I'd be buying a few more lottery uh, lottery tickets at that price. I mean, you know, his price is right around Hunter, Garland, Culver, and I like his potential quite a bit more than a few of those guys. Um, but again, he's a huge question mark. Could lead you to losing your, uh, your investments totally, uh, but he's shown some good things, and there's certainly potential there with him. All right, sorry about that. My camera stopped. Uh, last guy I want to talk about today is someone that we haven't seen play yet. He was drafted with the 16th pick by the Orlando Magic, uh, Chuma Okiki. I think that's how you say it, Okeke. Uh, he tore his ACL last March with Auburn. I think he has the potential to be a really good piece on this Orlando Magic team. Uh, the Magic lacks some outside shooting, and Okiki looks like he can bring some of that to the table. In college, over two years, he was a 39% three-point shooter, although he didn't put up a huge quantity of threes. Um, but he did shoot four threes a game his sophomore year. Also profiles good defensively. He can guard multiple def multiple positions. I did put up some good numbers on defensive end. Combined three steals and blocks per game this last year. 
And I like him on this Magic team in particular quite a bit because they're going to be getting Jonathan Isaac back too. And I think both of those guys next to each other in the three and the four, uh, that's something to really be excited about if you're a Magic fan. Uh, of course, Aaron Gordon, he is still on this roster. And as he said in his diss track a couple weeks ago, six years in the league, just wetting my feet. Uh, well, you'd certainly like to have seen him do more than wet his feet over six years, but I guess he sees that as a positive. Uh, he should not be playing the three, Aaron Gordon, um, but he also shouldn't be playing the four over Isaac. So I think Aaron Gordon's going to be blocking Okiki for the next couple of years. Um, but all in all, I do like Okiki. Uh, he should be a player to root for for the coming seasons. He regularly auctions off his uh, his Prism Silver rookie cards, ungraded, $15 to $20 range. I think at that price, he's a fine lottery ticket. Uh, but at this point, again, uh, we don't really know anything about him or what he's going to do in the NBA, so he uh, only is a lottery ticket. All right, that's all I have time for this week. Uh, next week, I'll try and wrap up the first round of the 2019 draft and bring in a couple other guys. Uh, the weeks after that, my plan is to do the 2018 NBA draft, 2017, 2016, and we'll just see where that goes. All right, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for your time. We really appreciate all the uh, comments and all the feedback that we've been getting from you. Uh, please feel free to drop a comment on our YouTube video or on Instagram. And uh, feel free to leave me a DM, too, and I'll try and answer any questions or have any conversation with you that you want to have. All right, thanks for listening. Until next time.